Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Content warning for discussions of human trafficking, sexual abuse, um, trauma related to seeking asylum. Someplace underneath. Great. <laughs> Thank you. It's my vocal warm ups. Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Shit. All right. I'm ready to go. <laughs> That's how you warm up for a podcast. That's right. God, I ended up drinking alone on my porch last night, Natalie, because I went on a date and I did not have a good time. And I Aww. can't pinpoint how, you know, like you, because I trust my feelings very heavily mm-hmm. and I don't. It's like a lot of little things. Like him lying about his age was one. Well, that's, that's a that's a big thing. Really? Yeah. Lying about a man lying about his age? Okay, queen, go off. That's a girl behavior. What are you doing? He told me he was 17. <laughs> he's actually no. Um what like wh- he so he lied that he was younger? Yeah, he said he was like 34, which I didn't even catch it because I was showing some other girls, his picture. Don't worry, guys. We do talk about you. <laughs> and they were like, he's not 34. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I didn't even notice that. He said he was 39. And they're like, no, he looks 42. Yeah. So did did you find out for sure? Or are you just like, oh, you're not? You're I not. just don't know. I'm like vibing. Yeah. I'm just going on my vibes and my vibes are off on this one. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, that's that's enough. You don't need to have any other reason. Right. I'm not property. I can make a choice. You're absolutely correct, Amber. Thank you, Natalie. Nor are any of you property out there. Welcome to some place underneath them, not a gene. I'm Amber Nelson, but you can treat me like property. Consensually. (laughs) Consensually be treated like an object. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's very fair. I, man, see, I've been freezing. Now we're in here in the studio. I'm wearing a onesie and I don't have any clothes on underneath. Oh, girl. Okay, I'm not taking my clothes off. I'm not taking it off. I'm just... Pulling the sleeves, pulling the sleeves down. No, you look great. It's see, okay. Can't see any of my stuff. No, I. It, that's okay. You could do whatever you want. I think probably as in, we have producer in the room, editor. In the we room, have a probably. boy in here. I can smell it. I don't think it. He would appreciate it. <laughs> um, 
No. So, okay, that's that's all right. You don't have to be on a date with that person right. ever again. What if I just become a bitch? I don't think you are by nature, though. Right. I'm not a bad bitch, Natalie. And I see all these, like, sprinkle, sprinkle TikToks or whatever. They're just like, you got to cut him off and call him an idiot. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can do that. I've seen that that goes wrong, though, too, because some then sometimes people take that too far and then they're very inconsiderate to people who are not really deserving of being rude. Right. You don't have to. You can always say no, but you don't necessarily, unless they do something fucked up, have to be rude about it. You know, be like, you don't have to like then say that that man, you don't deserve me after that, mister. That's right. You don't I have could, to do that. No, there's a fine line. Yeah, I think so. Of autonomy and self-respect, but also being respectful of other people. That's right. right? I know somebody who she's like behind on money right now. And so she's going out with guys just for the free dinner. And she's like, I don't give a shit about them. It's going out for dinner. And I'm like, how? How? I, I don't know how to do that. Well, you know, I think if it's transactional on both ends, that's cool. It's kind of shitty if they think that you're interested and you're just that's kind of I don't know maybe I'm crazy that seems kind of mean but yeah you know do what you got to do I guess I guess I don't know how to date I I don't know I do I all I want to do is have a delightful time with somebody I want to have a bubbly sparkling time and I want to feel like a princess I want to go to the cheesecake factory oh my god and I want to get some spaghetti Wow. And like maybe some chicken parm on that and then like split a slice of cheesecake and then him drive me home and be like, you're so pretty. That doesn't seem like that should be that hard. It's out of this world, Natalie. I I'm that makes me sad that and there will be somebody who does that and there will. And I can't believe that uh, that that's such a difficult thing to find in Los Angeles. But I can believe it. I can. Absolutely. Yeah, you know. That. Yes. You know. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, speaking of that, uh, I don't. A lot of you have probably read Britney's book that's come out. Have you read it at all, Amber? I haven't, but I've always loved Britney Spears. She's from Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana. I was indifferent about her really until we covered her on Pop History like f- four years ago or whatever. And um, really just so tragic. So many sides of her are tragic. And. And this book is so good if you haven't read it, but it is, it's really devastating, a lot of it. Um, So just be prepared for that. It's very readable and interesting, but it's very upsetting. Didn't she make, he make her take an abortion pill and then like play the fucking guitar while she's on the bathroom floor? I would have smashed it like that Roadhouse movie. Yeah, so you're talking about JT. Um, I actually always kind of defended him because... After she kind of told her story, people were shitting on him because he mistreated her. And at, with the limited information, I kind of was just like, well, hey, he was also a young, uh, manipulated pop star and he didn't know what he's doing. But now <laughs> I kind of don't feel like that anymore. Um, no. Yeah. It's just uh, I, trigger warning, by the way, if you don't want to hear about the story or don't want to hear the book, just skip like three minutes ahead. We're not going to talk about it very long. But um Trigger warning for abortion. Um, uh, so basically, she became pregnant with his spawn in the early 2000s, and she felt ready to have the baby, but he did not want it. And he essentially coerced her into an abortion that she didn't want. But it's beyond that. It was really a um, if you've ever seen Dirty Dancing, it was like one level better than that. Uh, 
And uh, he did play the guitar while she writhed on the bathroom floor. Um, And uh, I was just bringing this up mostly. We'll talk about this way more. I want to talk about it like in more in in, in detail on one of our streams. But it it, it is it made me think of the pro-life pregnancy series that we did the um, uh, last season, which is starkly speaking to that paradox, which is that this forced or coerced abortion isn't actually it's a pro-choice point talking point, not a pro-life talking point, which is, I think, sometimes when that, that story's told, some people might see it as a pro-life talking point. And actually, it's very much about women's decisions about their own body. Right. Because it's still treating a woman as like cattle. Right. Like, I get to choose when you have the child. And I'm sorry, women get to choose the next generation of people, not men, go to work and die. <laughs> Sorry, that was really mean. <laughs> Take me to Cheesecake Factory, please. <laughs> yeah, and then go to work and die. <laughs> um, so as absolutely as, you know, it's as absolutely as disgusting as preventing someone from accessing their reproductive rights is also forcing them into something like that or convincing them in a way that they didn't want to do. So I just thought that was a really interesting uh slash horrific part of her story and um, made me really sad and also gives an entirely new like like view of the song every time which already makes me cry and and, every time I yeah if you read this book and then you go back and watch that it will make you even sadder watching that music video um but uh I do not I cannot recommend it enough it's a great book by the way, just so everybody. Well, thank you, Natalie. Yeah. Um, I like picture books. <laughs> I like it when they're real simple. Yeah. I don't need to think too big. Pictures are, there's nothing wrong with looking at pictures to learn shit. Show me a cow. <laughs> Show me a chicken. You've you said that with such authority. Tell me the number This four. woman wants to see a cow. You show it to her. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we are back in our missing in migration series we last week discussed some of the the trials and tribulations that a lot of people who are seeking asylum are experiencing um including going through the darien gap which is connecting colombia to panama and how people who are not citizens of Mexico have to go through that and then traverse Mexico if they're trying to seek asylum in the U.S. It's a long journey. It is a crazy, un, really unfathomable journey um, that people take because of absolute and utter desperation. Um, and so when they make that journey, they're trying to get to the the fucking... I feel like it's disappointing for a lot of people, even if they get through. It's just like the United States is not always great. There's great things. I really appreciate a lot of the freedoms we have, especially after I'm, I'm talking about some of the countries these people are fleeing from. But, um, you know, this big this this border entry, this port of entry, they're like fighting and fighting for it. And, you know, when I personally when I think about the idea of border patrol, because I am a child, I think of fantasy novels or like medieval or biblical times. Oh, like knights at a gate? Yeah, like Monty Python and the Holy right, Grail. Right. That's how I know history. America um, is surrounded by a moat, I guess. Yeah, sure. I guess all, water. All, all, all continents are, I suppose. Um, 
But, uh, you know, you're thinking of me, you know, I'm thinking of highly trained soldiers guarding the ramparts against invading forces, competing armies, white walkers, you know, that stuff. Me? Am I a white walker? I don't think so. I'm white. I, I walk around. I don't think you... Did you ever watch Game of Thrones? No, I haven't. Yeah. Sorry. How fucking dare you do that? <laughs> I just watched it a couple years ago, actually. Okay. Um, it's never in my mind an image of a weary family or scared children begging for refuge. Though certainly I'm sure that did happen in those times, too, and in, in uh, you know medieval and biblical time. I'm sure there still was pe- families being turned away at the border uh, always for anywhere because I think I doubt that we as a species were not less callous or clueless a thousand years ago with we what probably to do. worse. I think we're beating the shit out of each other. Oh yeah, I think it was not great either a thousand years ago. Um, but what border patrol actually consists of most of the time, at least in America, is Handling and often mishandling people seeking refuge. So there are, of course, other instances. There are cartels. There are things, although sometimes the Border Patrol is working with the cartels. Um, but for real? Oh, I mean, all of it. It's just all, all. Corruption is just, it's all through it, man. God, I feel like my my innocence is just slowly getting chiseled away. That's what I'm here for. Thanks, Natalie. Aren't you glad you became my friend? <laughs> right. Somebody um, wrote in, because we do read your emails, and somebody said that um, people on the border who live there, they will put clothes on the highway. So when you make this long journey, you have a fresh set of clothes. And they're just, like, in piles. I mean, that that's really beautiful. And there are, I know, a lot of, um, especially in Texas, which we'll probably get more to in next episode or the one after, but there are conflicts of people who are trying to leave water out and stuff and then people being like no let them fucking drink sand fuck them you know and just really uh dark you know um the 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 act of just simply leaving the most basic human comforts for people to not want that to happen especially when you know there's kids and stuff because they're like invading my land it's like it, it's not for safety. It's not because you're trying to protect your kids. It's because you're cruel it's and mean. You, you're mean. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that is that's a nice part of that too. There are a lot of people who do reach out with compassion. It's not all monsters for sure, but most of the time, what our southern border patrol is doing is dealing with people coming to the border saying, "Please help me." So. These numbers have only increased exponentially over the last couple decades. While shit, people want to paint this as, like we said last week, like, you know, the shittiest of humans go like, oh, they're coming to Tucker Gerbs and all that. It's very much not that. And it's frankly kind of absurd and willfully ignorant to act like it is. You want to believe that. After a long run of prominently Mexico, El Salvador, and Guatemala, as well as Honduras citizens attempting to get through the border for asylum, that was decades, especially the last like two decades or so. Those were the majority of the countries where people were trying to seek asylum through the southern border. Um, So again, Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. Over the last few years, a number of countries have been added to that. And that's very recently. Those countries are still widely present, the ones that I mentioned first, but many others have been added. 
This is a little bit uh, from migrationpolicy.org. For the first time in history, more Venezuelans, Cubans, and Nicaraguans were encountered by U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, during fiscal year 2022 than migrants from El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. The year also saw significant arrivals of Brazilians, Ecuadorians, Haitians, and from countries further afield, including Ukraine, India, and Turkey. I imagine adding to that list in 2023, because this is from last year, that would be Palestinian and Israeli citizens. I imagine some would be coming through as well. So I just included this little graph here, um, Amber, which you can see in this graph from the same uh, website, migrationpolicy.org. If you look back at 2008, almost the entirety of the bar of people coming through is Mexican. Right. Now it's like not that many now it's mostly all other. Yeah. So it's it used to be a big, like, thick line of mostly citizens of Mexico coming through the border. And now it is a it's a, a mash of different countries coming through. The biggest port of entry for immigrants is the Rio Grande Valley, which is the bottom pointy part of Texas, just for a quick understanding of where people enter. So there they, there are ports of entry all across the bottom border of our country. Um, but the biggest one is that, you know, the point. I'm sure you know the shape of Texas vaguely. So yeah. it's just like the sharp end. I guess you couldn't come up from the top because it's really cold in Canada and Canada's huge. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I think because it's easiest to get in through South America for a lot of those countries. I think that's why. Yeah. I, I think it, going from Canada to the U.S. is would be more it would be more difficult. You would die on the way. I think. Well, I think physically, but I also think um Customs-wise, and in, in getting into Canada is harder, mm. I think, than if you were to get in through um, Colombia, I believe, is the logic there. But this is – when I tell you that the more I read, the more I've watched, the more questions I have and the more confused I am because mm -hmm. it is – so complex and not only complex, but constantly changing. So the policies are flip-flopping all over the place depending on who's in office and also – it is just like controlled chaos at the border a lot of the time. And I don't even think everybody who works in the sector understands all of the rules and things that are happening to people, which is one of the main scary reasons uh, of why people go missing. Right. I mean, have you been to the DMV lately? Like, right. it's insane. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, just get your driver's license in our country as a normal, like as a birthright citizen or whatever is... A shit show. Right. Every time. And so this is like escalated. I can't imagine the chaos. Just screams. Yeah. 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 So that is my guess on why most people don't come in through Canada. Um, so if you also see here, um, I'm just showing a chart to Amber. It shows like the number of people who come in through the country via different ports. The Rio Grande Valley is the biggest one in Texas, like I said, that point. And then you have some more through Texas, California, uh, Arizona, all, you know, yeah. the states at the bottom. The states. It looks like in the year 2020, there was like nobody coming through. It's because of the COVID. Right. Yeah. They will talk about that. Trump essentially blocked and expelled millions of people trying to seek asylum to no benefit of the Americans. It was just like for cruelty sake. Um, and just to be like xenophobic, I guess. Um, but so why are there more people coming in and why are more countries being added? So 
from what I can gather from my research, a few different reasons, probably a number of reasons that I also don't even know and wouldn't be able to articulate, but a couple you may not be surprised by. So some of these countries uh, who are now being added to the people seeking asylum from the South are facing political and economic instability, that is to say, extremely corrupt governing bodies. I didn't even mention in all of this research the um, part about climate change, but that's definitely in, uh, a factor because there are, are lands that are becoming more inhospitable and things like that. So, Water's drying up. Yeah. Uh, the temperatures are rising, to that, that sort of thing. So I didn't mention that in this because I was talking mostly about human uh, – like, well – I guess climate change is also human based, but uh, right. I can see people being very mad at that. Like um, someone like my family, they're like, "Climate change isn't real. It's all a lie, just to get them in here, right?" Like, it, it, yeah. These are certain trigger words yes. that make people insane, and they'll just start screaming. Yeah, they don't want to hear it for sure. It, you're 100 percent right that like that. Just saying the words climate change should be like la 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 la. Yeah, shut up, shut up. No, 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 no. It's not yeah. there. But, but you it know sucks. What, it's hard. It sucks. But you know what they do? Because I had a conversation with somebody um, that because they're not getting rain in Mississippi during the summer. And I'm sorry, Mississippi's supposed to rain every yeah. day. It's really hot. It's very green and lush. Yeah. It's a swamp area. You need to rain. And they said, that's OK. We're just not praying hard enough. Maybe that's it. So climate change is wrong, but we have to pray to make the rain. Like, I don't. It makes me insane, Natalie. I know. The tables have turned and now ice cream. (laughs) No, I I agree. And also there's the there is, I think, a pretty big contingent of people based on like whatever their faith is that um, it's not climate change, but it is happening and it's God's will. And we're we're waiting for the end time. Like there's many religions that are like, we're in the end days. So it's fine. Yeah, this is actually the will of God. And we are supposed to be um, suffering. That's right. These people, these these people suffering in these countries. That's what they're supposed to be doing. They're like waiting for Jericho's trumpet. There's literal TikToks of like when the trumpets blow Mm -hmm. and then they throw down their dishes and walk outside smiling. I'm like, you can also just throw down the dishes like no one's making you do that. Yeah. Sounds like you hate your life. A little bit. I think that's a little bit of escapism happening. Um, And then we can go back and ask, like, why do you hate your life? Oh, a bunch of oppression and like corporate greed and stuff. Right. No, it's the it's the people seeking asylum. Okay. well, all right. It's these people seeking asylum that are the problem. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. This, again, these countries who are kind of being added to the group of people who are migrating to the southern border have extreme corrupt governing bodies. This is compounded by the knowledge that there is a labor job demand increase in the U.S. Um, that That is something that I've read in several different uh pieces of media and articles, but I can't so far figure out exactly what that reason is. I, I would imagine just that there are a lot of manufacturing things happening in the country right Probably. now. Well, like a, a, a business owner's dream is if something happens at work, you can't sue, you can't join a union because there's 10 other guys outside that want that job because then they get to decide how much I pay you. Mm-hmm. Like they are in control here. Their worst nightmare is less people. And so now I can say, you know what? I'm going to need 20 extra bucks an hour for this. Right. For, I mean, definitely. That's there, it. And there is there's a there's sort of a push and pull with that, too, because there isn't there is a definite need. And we it's billions of dollars of industry of undocumented workers doing jobs that a lot of people would refuse to do. And I think that that's valid and valuable and that it's a way that people can get their feet on the ground here in this country. Right. See, but, I, think there's, I think there's human trafficking by business owners to get the, like, they're, the immigrants they're here. I mean, there's a hundred percent is it's like not even a question. Like, like when I see the sure. boats of men, I know like my heart goes out for their journey, but I'm like, oh, this is human trafficking. It is. And a lot of them come to find work and would be willing to work um, low wage jobs, but then are still trafficked on top of that. Like, yes. Are promised even a little bit and then handed even less and then sort of basically held captive. Um, this is within government people and with like uh, runners and coyotes and things like that, traffickers. So we will talk about tr- sex trafficking for sure, but also there's a huge, we've talked about the before too, a huge laboring trafficking issue um, from the southern border. And I haven't, this is another thing. So I haven't directly read this anywhere yet, but part of me wonders if also the influx from different farther away countries is social media influenced, which is to say that perhaps the increasing availability to communicate quickly from far away and with the access to like video components, it gives people more of a concrete idea of like, oh, maybe I can actually leave here 
and dare I say have hopes and dreams based right. on like having images outside of their small area. Because you see me on TikTok like eating Doritos mm-hmm. by a pool. Yeah. And you're like, what? Right. That exists? And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm just putting in my perspective knowing that I came from and compared to any of this this the community, extreme privilege, being white, being from America, being like lower working middle like right. working middle class. But you don't have a pool though, Natalie. And I never had a pool, and that's why I wanted to talk about on this episode. <laughs> um so yeah, I I know that when I in the like mid two thousands when we were just getting stuff like MySpace and stuff, it was the time period where I it became clear to me I could just leave my city. That never occurred to me before that. I was like, oh, I I can just leave Pittsburgh. I can like yeah. I'm just I walk out and I can just go and do that. And I, I don't have to stay in a place where I feel uh, like I'm suffocating and don't fit in anywhere. That's weird. Yeah. Um, And mine, of course, was not with this pressing level of tragedy, but I was running from something pretty bad. I mean, people did. Um, Did they throw trash at you or something? Well, high school they did, but I was I was stuck in a that at that point I was in my early 20s and I was in a very scary situation. Oh, and they were like, you're going to age out. And you were like 22. Like, what the fuck? Well, yeah, that beyond that, it was like a very unsafe relationship. But like uh, that to me was like I think seeing the first dregs of social media was like oh like I'm seeing people that aren't just TV people they can go other places wait a second so yeah, that's yeah. just maybe that's just the thought I had about why maybe people from further countries are like throwing their chance in there because right. they're seeing other people be able to do it and phones are more readily available sometimes mm-hmm. you're like how dare that homeless person have a phone I'm no. like everybody has a phone give them a f- why the fuck shouldn't they have a phone yeah. it's a resource that like they can use to save themselves a lot of the time you need it for a job it's not because they're playing Candy Crush like fuck you <laughs> Seriously, even a lot of the people on the uh, like going through the the jungle to try to get to Mexico have phones and they might not always have service. And a lot of times they probably don't even have them charged, but they can at least access it sometimes to get certain things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm picturing me walking through a jungle being like, there's no outlet. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you go watch some of those um, those documentaries where journalists are following people on those trails, a lot of those places even if they're like if they're even if the cartel run where they're like at making them pay a fee and take the little bracelet a lot of them will have like phone chargers and like places to eat food in them and stuff so it's this really weird like i said cottage market where they do have to think about things like that where they reach this like point before the jungle where they have to charge their cell phones this is very mad max oh yeah super super mad Max. and like does law exist there no not really. On either end of the jungle, you have the other countries. Sometimes the government stuff is there. Sometimes people show up to either help or hurt the people who are going through the jungle. But a lot of times it's like left to like their version of coyotes, which is like people who charge to like take them across the boats once they get to the edge of the jungle and like that kind of thing. Sometimes it's like not bad groups, though, you know, like sometimes it's humanitarian efforts as well. But it's a very much it seems like sort of a menagerie. A, a buffet of different things. God, it's like a roulette of mm-hmm. like, who are you going to get? It could be cartel. It could be a documentary crew. Yep. And I'm seriously. Good luck. Yeah. 
That's that's what at least my gauge from what I've watched and what I've read. I obviously have never done the trek myself, but um, from everything I've been able to to view. Another thing that I wanted to bring up because it was something that I didn't fully understand. So there there's this thing called Title 42, which is thought of negatively mostly, but it is this phenomena that changes based on the year, the month, how federal laws apply, who's the president, all this stuff. And it, it basically talks about who gets expelled as soon as they show up to the border, who gets processed, who gets taken to ICE, like all of these different things. And the data is showing in the most recent years, because we have communications with the U.S. and Mexico, Mexicans are often immediately expelled back to Mexico. But if you're from places like Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, places that we have no good relations with uh, due to their... Migrants like being so oppressed by these countries, they're less likely to be deported back to their own own country. So in one way, that can be good. However, there's these sticky issues which haven't really been resolved because many of these other country citizens do not get to stay in the U.S. either. So whenever they come seek asylum, this huge conflict of interests happen and we're supposed to, in our like, if in our U.S. propaganda, we're supposed to take them in and give them asylum, and then hand them the tools, and then they can de de de. A lot of times, that's not is that's not what's happening. Say example, I come from El Salvador, mm-hmm. and I know U.S. and El Salvador, we don't have really good relations. Mm-hmm. So I'm stopped at the border. I'm not sent back to El Salvador. I'm sent to Mexico. But Mexicans of- and El Salvadorians, they sometimes they don't get along. So. A lot of times that was happening specifically under Trump. It still happens now, but there was an actual policy put under the Trump administration that would just throw them back into essentially like the borderlands of Mexico without anything. So instead of being sent home, depending on what year and what month you're talking about, you might get thrown into like... Tijuana or one of the border cities and you might get thrown into ice or you might be processed in a, in a less bad way. Um, it's very complicated and it changes per fucking month how many people go through how many different processes. So there are basically like when you get to the border, there are three things you can processes you can go through as of 2023 These have probably also changed since the summer of 2023 because Biden keeps trying to implement these policies that are less monstrous than Trump's but are still like not that great. And then they got overturned in July. And so like, to be honest, I'm I I, my eyes bleed when I'm trying to fucking understand what's happening. Okay, Um, but there are basically three different things that can happen when you get there, which is like seeking asylum through these different means, including crossing illegally, sneaking in. That's one of the three ways you can claim asylum is if you like sneak over the border, get over the border, then get caught. You can then be like asylum. But there are many issues with either being expelled back into Mexico or being held in ICE. Obviously, many reasons that those are both scary. Um, And some of these borderlands, even if now we're not going through the process or someone to explain momentarily with the Trump administration, there still are a lot of people who are 
the under Biden's administration, they made an app. <laughs> so okay. you can get to the, the, the you get to the border, you try to seek asylum. They're going to turn you away, but they're going to be like, but you have an appointment. Try to set an appointment up on this app. You download the app. What's the app? It's uh, I forget what it's called. I have it somewhere. Everything's in my notes. on a fucking app. I tried to go to a jukebox the other day. They say download the app. I say, can I just put money in the machine and play it? Like uh, we're in the 1900s, please. Yeah, no, it's super annoying. I hate downloading. I, that just happened on the parking um, parking meters when I was in Pittsburgh. And download like, the app. Fuck, I'm not doing that. I hate it. I even hate using credit cards. Give me a quarter. It takes right. three seconds, and now I have to like punch in all this shit in the. Just take the quarter. Just take the quarter. There's so many ways of making money that I am too silly to understand. Like back in the day, it was like, oh, you want to make money? Um, sell pelts. You know, like a tangible thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's like this otherworldly thing. Download the app, or there's like a TSA line. You pay me money, and you can skip the line. Oh, I see. I'm in that, and it's it's not. I mean. They have my identity. It's a private company that runs right. through the airport so I can get through the airport 10 minutes faster. And they have my eye scan. So I'm sure nothing will happen with it. Now you'll be fine. Your eyes will explode. <laughs> <laughs> ah! um, but yes, yeah, so you have to download the fucking app again yeah. to get into the country. So even so, even if they're not being implemented under this Trump policy that was really inhumane, they still have to sort of wait on the borders, uh, like the borderlands of Mexico to hope for an uh, an appointment, and you can't use the app unless you're right by the border of Mexico. So even if you had somewhere to go that was in the middle of Mexico, it won't usually connect to the appointment maker portal on the app unless you're right by the border. But you can't do anything to get the appointment any faster, so you then are just sort of... Chilling. Like... I guess we'll wait here for an indeterminate amount of months. With, a lot of times it's full families doing that. So this is, again, a, a situation where we have people in crisis and we don't have really any – We there are solutions. They're just not being implemented, essentially, if that makes any sense. So it probably goes without saying that when this stuff happens to people seeking asylum, they are left in some borderland – areas that are rife with danger. Not that danger wouldn't also be in the U.S. I'm not trying to make this, oh, Mexico's so dangerous compared to America. But it is the the vulnerability of being in the borderlands of Mexico with no legal representation, no country protecting you in any way. Because at least when you go through the U.S., you have the opportunity to be represented by a lawyer, even if a lot of them aren't, because they don't know how to do it. You do actually have that right as an asylum seeker to be represented by law. So, you following me? <laughs> yes. So there are certain lawyers that are really by the border helping mm-hmm. people out to either get asylum or be treated fairly, I yeah. guess. Yes. That's good. It is. Unfortunately, I bet they're stressed out. I don't think it's like an easy job, probably. No. Um, and there are organizations that also like organize lawyers, too. So there are bigger ones, and I'll talk about a couple of them, that organize those systems as well to help refugees and asylum seekers. And... But unfortunately, since a lot of people are coming from literal nothing to this place, they don't have like a, a, a handwritten list of things that you, you should check right. lists you should do. Also, don't speak English. Things that are very complicated. And they're probably coming from a place where they're like, you tell them a lawyer. They're like, wait, 
I can get a lawyer? Some of some of the countries they're coming from, yeah. And I'm sure a lot of trauma, too. Like, I myself feel very undeserving of things sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what they might come from. Like, oh, I don't deserve it. Like, no, you deserve a lawyer. You do. Although they get treated like they don't by a lot of the people, you know? They do deserve lawyers and and human rights. Um, And also, I should say, like I mentioned before, it's not all that either. There are people, and we'll talk about some of these countries, where they... There is higher education. There are job opportunities that are now stripped away because of government corruption. And so it's like teachers, nurses, like people who went to college are also making these treks because they literally don't know what else to do. So. Right. Because the um, country was fine. And it's like, oops, now it's not. You know, it maybe wasn't like awesome there, but right. then it became real bad in the last couple of years. So. Reading through these processes, if you can't tell by how flustered I am and also by just like, you know, logic, the the border is always one step away from utter chaos. And a lot of it comes from countries' leadership being unable to speak to one another or even care for their own citizens. So that's to say there's not a lot of um, because they're fleeing their own countries, their own countries are not helping them. And also, right. they don't care about these citizens who are garbage to them. I saw a video. It was during the pandemic. The U.S. had given this specific country a lot of food, um, and the leaders just kept it. Yeah. And there were these riots of people breaking into the palace to get the food. Good. And um, I think it was used against them, of being like, look at these savages. But it, their own <laughs> leader, their own leader kept it. Jesus Christ. So, the like, savages? Everyone, they didn't Fuck say them. it quite like that. Yeah, but, but it was like, like you know. But their own leaders betrayed them, and then the video is used against them. It's so fucking... Oh, it's so gross. And it is such a, a grown-up understanding of realizing that nobody knows what to do in these situations. So, I feel like adults should step in. Yeah. We, I, unfortunately, we're the adults now. Isn't that terrifying? No. I know. Because <laughs> they're just the same... You always think, oh, there's a grown-up taking... No. No, no. Nope. There's nobody around. Nope. No one knows what's going on. And nope. it, like even when you try to help... We're giving this country food. Yeah. The leaders often will take it and hoard it. Why? Um, How much food do you fucking need? Some of these dictatorships are really perplexing to me, uh, other than just like sheer greed, I guess. But so one of the countries that we're seeing a lot of people um, seeking asylum from is Venezuela, which is at the tip top of South America. Um, I include a picture here, Amber, for myself and you as well, because please don't ever be ashamed for not knowing something. It's okay to learn. And anybody who criticizes you for not knowing something is projecting and not helping. So That's right. you're allowed to say, I don't fucking know where this is. I say that five times a day at least. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's at the very top. And you could, I don't think you could swim to Cuba, but my brain is like, I bet I could. <laughs> I don't think you could. <laughs> I think it would. I don't think so. I I have faith in your swimming abilities. I know you go to the, the pool at the gym, <laughs> but I think it would be difficult. No, but I also like sometimes I'll be on a balcony. I'd be like, I bet I could jump. I I mean I I feel like that all the time too. Yeah, um, but don't do it. No, probably not. Um, but yeah, so it's right next to Colombia, which is where a lot of the people uh, from south of Mexico are going through that jungle, the Dorian Gap. So it's right next to Colombia. And so that it would make sense that they would go from that country over up north. So Venezuela's sitting president is named Nicolas Maduro. Um, and he is 
widely condemned and is likely to have gotten through his second term through widespread corruption. Oh, right. My girlfriend, I used to live with a girl who was from Venezuela and her brother, because she was in America, her parents like sent her here and they basically like with nothing. Yeah. And um, he, she said that her brother was chilling at home and someone broke in their house, put a gun to his head and said, vote for our guy or we'll kill you. And so now they're like, oh, we have a democratically elected guy. Mm. No, that's a lie. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The, the, sentiment I was getting from people who had written about this, who had like lived there or journalists who follow this. Because again, I must preface and stress that I am not any form of expert Expert. on any of these. I've only done reading and and, and worked on this, but I I can only go by that. Yeah, I did a little bit of work on Venezuela for the brighter side of different podcasts. Um, There is a lot of sex trafficking and child trafficking and the leaders do nothing. Because people specifically go to Venezuela for that. And that makes me so fucking mad. And I think that goes part and parcel with um, this form of government, which is essentially saying my citizens mean nothing to me. Yeah. Um, and I will take money at any cost. So this this guy, um, he was already he set this already vulnerable country into chaos in the, just the last few years. Violence carried out by the government, there's been censorship, lack of food, are now all ongoing problems for the citizens of that country. Um, There is also a complex situation of the turmoil there due to the contested re-election of Maduro in 2019 that is still having effects today because then there was like trying to be an overturning of that with other another it, it it's, it's like a not civil good. war yeah. yeah it's not good and it's not even a civil war as much as like it's well i, I don't want to say that i don't have full knowledge but it seems a lot like they are just being suffocated by their governing body um cuba is another one uh by every document i could find is in a more precarious state now than it has been in a long time which was also precarious before it seems like it gets batted around by every country around it including the u.s while also being considered an authoritarian regime i will not embarrass myself by trying to explain the history of cuba it would be humiliating that's okay you're smart uh just let it be known that it is in deep crisis and again cuba's you know to the east of mexico it's like right south of florida um yeah, I did include a picture of it as well. I, I like it. I barely graduated high school, okay? Natalie, at the beginning of the show, I said I like picture books, and you came through. <laughs> yeah, see? Look at that. See, it's all working out. <laughs> I circled it with a pink, a cute little pink marker. I like that. Is that where that young boy came from? It was like a big thing in the 90s. And it was like a little boy, and he came from, I think it was Cuba. And then there's pictures of like guys with guns like breaking down his door, and we were like... Elon? Elion? Oh, Elion Gonzalez. Gonzalez. And we're like, calm down, because they're like pointing fucking AKs at this child. And everybody was just like, calm down. This is a little boy. And I think they had to send him back. And I remember everybody being like, what? It was Cuba. And let me preface this by saying I paid no attention to world politics at this time. So I'm deeply ignorant. I mean, we were children when this happened. Right. um, Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I actually want to go back and like learn about that whole story because I just remember it being like a pre-meme. It was like a meme. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's probably not. It's probably very tragic for that person. I wonder and what he's doing now. He's an adult. I'm looking at a picture of him. Oh. He's 30 or almost 30. 
Gosh, yeah, I think he came over on like a raft or something. That's all I remember is that he he was alone on a raft. Yeah, because I know it was like tugging at the heartstrings of the American people, thinking like, how could this little boy make this journey that was so dangerous? And then we sent him back. No. And it was like a big talking point. That makes sense. Um discussing like immigration and, and yeah. like that kind of thing. It's like kind of like a, I don't want to say scapegoat, but he was used as like a symbol. Yeah, as sort of like an object. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That that still happens to this day with different people, of course. Um, like I get, because I see pictures of children at the border all the time and I feel kind of conflicted because I want people, I want to know, but I also don't want I don't know how to say this word, like a, like devastation porn, I guess. For sure. You know? It's a tricky balance because, yeah, it's it's like why any crimes against children are, are tough because you can't exploit them further, but it needs talked about. Yeah. And you it is, you know, like it's it's like misery tourism or, or devast- misery tourism. That's the word. And I, I sometimes we have to be really careful about doing that on the show because I I really want to talk about these things, but I only want to talk about them in a way that I feel like might help a little bit about the discussion and not just be like, I hate, and I've said this many times on the show, I hate when you, you just hear somebody go, look at this, shame on you, look shame. Look, shame. Yeah. And then they just, that's the whole, that's their whole. Like, and that's how the Democrats are also bad. Now, yes, it's very true. I'm just kind of like, oh my God, like go outside and get laid. Yeah, no, it's it's very much, that. that's another very annoying, unhelpful thing to do, which is I try to at least include things that people are doing to make things better and organizations that are working towards it and all that stuff because it's it, just screaming, how dare you, on typing on a, on a it screen. It does nothing. You, you're just – it's like you you just want cl- applause for talking right. about it. Right. Pat myself on the back here. Right. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. 
At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Another country like Venezuela, Nicaragua is facing cries of unfair election and dictatorship and in just the last couple of years has faced an increasingly oppressive government that includes shutting down a lot of their institutions of higher learning. Why? Because they were teaching people about the atrocities being committed by their own government and the best way to control people is to deprive them of education. So the president of Nicaragua, his name is Daniel Ortega. And his wife, who acts as vice president, have presi- have been presiding in different ways since the 80s, but have held this president role, I think, since 2007, if Damn. I'm correct. And they are now being said to slowly sort of be creating a kingdom in a way. It, it It's giving me like... It's giving me hints of North Korea a little Ooh. bit. You know, living in America, as much as it is emotionally exhausting to have an election every four years. I am glad we do that because I don't want somebody sitting up there being like, I'm here now, like for the forever. Yeah. I mean, and that that is what we're watching in a lot of these countries where they are saying, no, I won the election and then just dissolving. Right. Anything that says that otherwise. Because then you sort of forget how people live and you start making laws for yourself and you start hoarding the food for you. Yeah. Instead of saying like, oh, my God, my people where I'm from, you need the food. Yeah. And and by accounts of what I've read and if you you know have any experience with living in Nicaragua and you want to correct me, please feel free to reach out to us at someplace underneath at Gmail or at our social media accounts someplace underneath. Um, what I've been reading, it's basically that he was more favored when he was a younger politician and that he's like descended into madness over the decades. Oh, cool. Like a mad king. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, the impression I was kind of getting, but maybe I'm off. As it stands, he seems to be controlling controlling the elections completely and has imprisoned political opponents just in the last couple of years who are trying to run against him. Whoa, could we go to prison? Me and you? Yeah, for like saying bad stuff about him. No, we're, we're, we're U.S. citizens, so. Okay. That's why people want to come here. It's true. I mean, for sure. Because we can be like, fuck the president. And so many places you can't do that. It's it's true. Like, f- seriously. Um, and that we do have that right. And I do, am grateful for fucking sure about that. Um, so I also I, I, I might as well mention, too, that his stepdaughter came out with accusations that he had been essaying her since the age of 12, Ugh. which, of course, resulted in no consequences because... Look, he investigated himself and he found himself to be innocent of it. Wow. So there's that. Also, a lot of uh, Haitian refugees uh, are coming to try to seek asylum. In 2021, their president, whose name is Juvenel Moise. I'm I'm sorry. I think you're trying the best you can, (laughs) Natalie. Thank you. Juvenel Moise. Um, So the Haitian president was murdered in 2021. And there were riots. Yes, I remember seeing that. Yeah. It looked fucking crazy. Yeah, it's not... It doesn't look like it's good. Um, There's understandably, because of the chaos, been uprisings of gang control. I'm saying understandably as, I guess, predictably not 
It should be that way. Because when the leader gets exterminated, usually someone worse than them Mm -hmm. rises from the ashes. Yeah. And so right now, a lot of their major cities are being gang controlled. Their ports of entry and exit are being controlled in that way. And it's really, it sounds very scary. They're also, you know, disease, starvation. Citizens flee from that, of course. So trying to understand, again, so that's in Haiti, Ecuador or something. That's another big one that I just... I, I can't even understand what, what's going on, but it doesn't seem good. And there's there the guy who's in office now, Guillermo Lasso, it seems like there was an attempt at impeachment and he just dissolved the government instead. Oh, really? He was like, get out of here. I'm the big guy now. Yeah. So they were basically he was elected in there somewhat. I don't know if it's really free elections in any way, shape or form, but he was elected. And then because he was people were unhappy they tried to impeach him and and he was like i'm just gonna take those departments and they don't exist anymore so you can't because now he's elected he has the guns yeah like what are you gonna do about it so that's what's going on there these are many of the scared broken and desperate people who are coming through the border or coming through the darien gap jungle and to go through panama upwards through mexico those are some of the countries of people who are trying to escape these things. So, again, they're not coming because they they don't feel like working. Just to piss you off. Yeah, just no. to be annoying. Because this, like surviving a jungle is less scary than where they came from. Yeah. And it, it's really trying – to me, my, my brain goes to just like if you feel irritated or annoyed that people are doing that, like put yourself in that place and just go, what are you to do? Like, what do you want them to do? What do you want those people to fucking do in those I guess moments? to, like, fix their own government. But it's like, how? I don't I wouldn't know how to. How do I even fix the U.S.? We have problems. Right. Like, you know, it might put myself in that position. And, and if you're just a poor citizen of that country, what are you supposed to do about fixing the government? You know, you just walk up to the office and you, you say, go, like, excuse me, do you have a card? Can I, do you have a box? Do you have a box? Excuse me. I have some problems. Can we talk about it? leave a little note card for the president? Um, no, they run. They run because they are li- their lives are being threatened on a daily basis, and they would choose the jungle <laughs> over this. And you got to remember, a lot of those people are parents. They are families. They are literally couples with little kids, and they they are too scared to stay any further. Also, elderly people are doing this, too. So... Um, when they complete one leg of an impossible journey through that jungle, another one arrives, you know, after they get out of the jungle, maybe they find themselves trapped at one of the ports. Maybe they've been robbed, assaulted, kidnapped. Maybe they find a place somewhere along the way in Mexico and actually find a respite there or even a long-term place to work and live. Sometimes people do find livelihoods in Mexico somewhere. Many women know of the dangers that come along and choose to go anyway, like the woman we heard speak last week, which is she knew it was likely she would get raped, but she's like in the most sad thing a person can say, I might survive the rape. You You know, know, it makes me so upset that somebody would look, because when I look at a woman on her own, I think, does she need help? I don't think, oh, I can go rape her. Yeah, well... There are a lot of broken people in the world and um, they don't see it that way. And so many of these women who take this journey report taking preemptive contraception, knowing they will have to pay the toll of rape to what? get past many ports. Uh, 
Ah, I'm I sorry. I, I know. I know. I know. It sucks, dude. I I hate it. But it, this is the this is the reality of it, and this is why people things are so bad that this is why people end up at the border begging to get in. They are willing to be raped through ports of entry. Like they're told beforehand. These places, these cartels, they will let you through if you, like, do these things. And so a lot of times even the coyotes and the traffickers who are being paid to take them through make them take contraception because they're going to be raped. And they're just like, we're not dealing with it. I, this makes me hate men. I'm sorry. I don't want to. but I'm um, sure there's – don't worry. I'm sure there's plenty of women participating in the sure. trafficking too. I bet. I bet. I mean, is there a thing where you can put, like – like claws inside your vagina, so if someone tries to rape you, their penis gets fucked up. I know that there was, um, there was something happening. I want to say in South Africa, there was somebody. I I should look into that. There was somebody who was making a contra, uh, it, like basically it was like a diaphragm with spikes on the inside. Good. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Although I would say if you were put in that position and you did that, you would probably be killed. They'd probably kill you. But at least he doesn't have a fucking dick anymore. Bye. Yeah, yeah I know. At least he, you're right. If I, I guess if I was going to go out like that, I guess I would make sure he couldn't fuck anyone Scorched else. Scorched earth, bitch. Yeah, for sure. So these are things that happen both along the route in Mexico, but also at the top, which, again, we're going to talk about more Next episode, I wanted to get through some of these countries and how they ended up here, where they are. There are 48 U.S.-Mexico border crossings with 330 ports of entry. So that is all across the bottom of the country, 48 different border crossings. And each of those have a bunch of ports in them, if that makes sense. Like little islands of areas where you can cross through. Like the same way you would with like a toll, going on like a toll road. A toll, like a sandbar or something. Yeah. So each one of those separate border crossings will contain multitudes, just like we talked about with every police department, depending on the management, the employees and the seclusion, the the intentions of the people running it. Each port will have its own risks and rewards for people, mostly risks. Um, but getting just getting to those ports of entry, it does not mean, oh, you've made it. You've made it to your safe house. It's. Another set of uh, horrible situations that God. you just like, I just don't know why people are like this. Can you imagine um, thinking you're safe? And then it's like, nope, guess again. Because that's got to be the worst. That would make me never want to trust anybody ever again. Like, I mean, if I, if I finally did all this shit and I made it to America, I would never trust anybody again. Yeah, I don't know that I doubt that people are feeling very trustworthy afterwards. But I think, unfortunately, tragically, that they already knew like they did, they had, they never were able to trust anybody in the first place. Right. Um, so when those who have made the full trek across all of that land and make it alive and in one piece, they get to the border. There's a couple processes that can happen, which I mentioned a little bit earlier. Asylum is a legal process. Just so you know, when people come to seek asylum, that in itself is legal. And this is from rescue.org. The right to seek asylum was incorporated into international law following the atrocities of World War II. Congress adopted key provisions of the Geneva Refugee Convention, including the international definition of a refugee, into U.S. immigration law when it passed the Refugee Act of 1980. So that's an international law, but we have also incorporated into, you know, in the 80s, into our own, like, very specific wording. Um, So the very... 
definition of seeking asylum is based on emergency. So it's not something you can sign up for, even though now Biden's tried to make it that, I guess, in an app. Um, But you still have to show up like you can't like get on a website and click, I'm seeking asylum. Can I make an appointment? So it, you have to be there. Yeah. But then people get mad when you're there. Yes. So, like, what's the solution? They don't have any. There are. There are organizations like uh, this one I just referenced, rescue.org. They're called the International Rescue Committee is one of them. And I know anytime I talk about major organizations in this way, there will be issues. There will be things that happen. People will say you they are bad because of ABCD. I don't know if there's any, a perfect organization that exists. I think that they these this group has done a lot of good work and uh, continues to do that. So I'm going to call them out. Um, so they do have different things that they recommend should happen in these cases. They're not being done right now, but it at least has taken a, a slight step in the right direction. So basically seeking asylum is like when you go to the ER, you know, you have to just you go up because it is a fucking emergency and you show up and you're like, please help me. But just like an ER, many times you can't be seen right away or you could face any number of prosecutions. Many ERs turn people away for judgmental reasons. What what the migrants are doing who cross Darien Gap and hitch on La Bestia is by definition seeking asylum. In recent years, these tired and desperate people have been further punished as political props. And like I said last time, this is not all on one president, but Trump significantly made it more inhumane in order to gain points from his base. It didn't solve any issues. It it, it simply tortured the poorest of people further to the delight of the most un, unhinged of our country. I would even listen to their rationale if any of the policies they enacted had any benefit for anyone i would disagree with them but i would hear it but there are no winners with any of these flim flam things he did it was all he's a showman and he does shit that makes people go like yay yay the wall we're building it with like no understanding of what that means this is the same with the, uh, the policies he enacted to appease a core of deeply broken and fearful people. So seeking asylum after 2016 was exponentially more precarious than it already was. And policies that I briefly mentioned above, the, for example, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. Beauregard. In, yeah. He's the most <laughs> Southern cliche racist man that you can imagine. Do you remember Jeff Sessions? That name is so familiar. He was during the Trump policy. He's a fucking garbage human. But he... Um, he implemented basically that you can't come at seek asylum in the U.S. if you're being terrorized by gangs or domestic violence while in office. He was like, that doesn't count. But that's like a big deal. No, you're dumb. Oh, Amber. What? No, you're dumb. Um, you, you, you silly woman. <laughs> um, so that was enacted for a, a time when Trump was in office. And he also enacted this policy of forcing the asylum seekers to wait for an undetermined amount of time in the streets of Mexico, which is what I was talking about a little bit earlier, um, with no legal rights or representation. So there was three years. um, This is also from rescue.org. 
For over three years, MPP impacted more than 75,000 asylum seekers, requiring them to wait out their U.S. court hearings in Mexico, mostly in northern border towns. There, they faced the often impossible expectations to gather evidence and prepare for a trial conducted in English while struggling to keep their families safe. Um, the I mean, I forgot. Yeah, that all down. takes money. And like, where are you going to work? What are you going to do? Where do you live? I mean, it just there just was no uh, there was no consideration for those people. It was it was the enact act the enactment of it was to show a base that like. See, I'm say, I'm protecting you. I care about you. Fuck those people. It was it was truly a fuck those people policy um, because that's what his base wants to hear. They want to hear like you're saving us from them. And I'm Thank sure Mexico you. is like fuck them too. So there's just like a gray area between Mexico and the U.S. that's just kind of like kiosks and no laws. A, a lot of it in Mexico. Also is yeah is in in those processes again it is so complex and confusing but there seems to be little that Mexico will do for those people other than just leave them to die like basically won't push them back at the U.S. based on things that they had to agree on with the U.S. but like they just they just sit in these towns and a lot of them are scary kind of like debaucherous towns like Tijuana. Um, where a lot of danger, like a course leading to things like rape and trafficking and kidnapping. These people are literally homeless. They have no home country, no one, not one governing body caring if they live or die or worse. And I'm sure there's people that know that they don't have protections and they're like, oh, I can go there and fuck around. Yes, 100%. Um, citizens, Citizens, cartels. Government on both sides of the like both sides of the wall. Uh, they are if you are somebody who likes to prey on the vulnerable. This is this is Disneyland for you. Ugh. So while many of the worst policies of this have been overturned since Biden, humanitarian organizations are still really critical of the policies he's replaced them with, saying that they are still in dire need of overhaul to make asylum seeking actually humane. What humanitarian orgs like that, like that organization I just mentioned, Rescue.org, describe is not what politicians like DeSantis and those kind of dudes parrot in front of their fan base that, that oh, they're just trying to take your livelihood away. It, it is it is or like, I guess, suggesting that like these humanitarian organizations are saying, like, we need to, like, carry them on like. We need to carry them on our shoulders and we need to feed all of these asylum seekers grapes with your bare hands. You're the U.S. citizens. You need to take care of them. And it's like they're literally just asking to treat them not like they're garbage. Like, right. It's just being used as um, propaganda. Yes. Because they that's what they run DeSantis types do. Yes. They take your money. Yes. They live in palaces. Yes. They in, in, enact laws that fuck us all over. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. I feel like I like duh, Amber. But no, it's not duh. It's it's very manipulative on purpose. Um, and again, fucking not saying Democrats aren't a huge part of the problem. Also, um, so like, well, how are they able? The people that make our laws, how are they able to like invest in the stock market? 
Well, yeah, I mean, like, that's... you guys control the stock market. You're just making more money and using my tax dollars to make more money. That's a fucking problem. Mm-hmm. Not people at the border. They need help. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. There until that, you know, we said this before, but until there's if you can make millions as a government uh, servant, uh, it's never going to be not corrupt if that right. is just allowed to be. And everywhere is corrupt. Like we just listed off all these countries that were mm-hmm. corrupt. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, we can still do this podcast. Yeah. We can't do this podcast in, in most other places in the world. It's true. You're right. Just bitch and complain and get paid before it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, a lot of the, these kind of people get murdered for doing this in other countries, for sure. Um, even men. Can you believe it? Wow. I know. So basically, like I said, Biden's policy says that if you come through entry, if you are coming from, say, Guatemala and you go through Mexico, you'll still get turned away. But you put your thing on the app. You got to download the app. You got to download the app. You got to download the app. Yeah. And then you got to wait near the borderlands, try to secure an appointment that sometimes doesn't come for a long time. And sometimes those people are just literally like Haitian families with little kids, just like relying on the kindness of humanitarian organizations to feed them and try to offer some level of protection but they're basically just living on in the dirt um waiting for this um with no ability like no ability to like get a job or right because there's no houses like no there's no you just literally put sit down on the ground and you Mm -hmm. wait and you sleep there and then you wake up and then hope that there's like a bottle of water yeah and there are there are really hardworking established humanitarian organizations both religious and non-religious that come in and help a lot of the asylum seekers so i don't want you to think that nobody is doing anything and it's all monsters there is a lot of good people a lot of people who care a lot of people are helping that's good but it shouldn't have to be that way you know what i mean <laughs> but at least if people are going to you know i'm not getting on my I'm not even talking. Never mind. You're I don't on know. the highest of horse. Natalie. No, no, I'm not. I got on my high horse just now, complaining about politics. No, we're it's okay to complain because I feel like I was just like I don't like. We just said we don't like complaining, and then I did it without right. without offering like a solution. No, it's okay. You're allowed to be mad. I think it's okay to be like righteously angry about something. Right, I and I got okay. mad. I got mad there for a second, and it's okay. You should. I think it's it's apt. So yeah, making an app appointment. Um, so. The policy, uh, again, I like I said, that app policy is kind of half overturned by a federal judge. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. I have tried to read it over and over, and I'm just like, I don't, does anybody know what they're talking about? Because I don't know if they do. But this kind of stuff changes all the time, perhaps partly by necessity, because it is a rolling situation. Like, different countries are coming in, different people are needing help, but also it's based on whatever political persona needs votes. So, like, that a lot of times is, like, how this stuff ends up operating. But... Oh, sorry, because if one certain group kind of votes a certain way, then a politician could be like, get him in here. Yeah. We need those votes. Yes. Which isn't right. Yeah, and I'm not saying, like, oh, illegal immigrants are voting, because that's another uh, hot topic, yeah. It's that... People who are more willing to take in, like, 
for example, Biden, he's trying to appease both center and center left people by saying, like, we are letting them in. But don't worry, they have to still apply on an app. And like humanitarians are going like, that's still really fucked up, dude. Please. We we have the we have the capability of doing other things that are less. Right. I've seen like talking heads sort of like brag about them voting Democratic and like, let's bring them in. They'll vote Democratic. We'll get the vote. I'm like, I would hate it if somebody was like, bring them in there where they would vote right. You know, they'll vote for Trump or something like I don't like that. I don't like that. No. And I mean, that that's that is more conspiracy than anything. This was just like an idiot on fucking Twitter, by the way. Yes, that's that's mostly conspiracy. They're not they're they're not bringing in illegal immigrants, illegals, as they like to say, to like spin elections. That's not happening like that. There's no evidence to suggest that's happening anywhere. And if there is, write in someplace underneath at gmail.com. <laughs> oh, no, we're going to get some crazy ass <laughs> QAnon people. Right I here. read them. I'll read it. Persuade me. So I forgot to also mention uh, when you were reading off one of the blurbs from rescue.org, Trump's thing was called the MPP. It means the migrant protection protocols. But what that means is like when he says migrant protection, it means like protection against the migrants. <laughs> so that was when he just like pushed them back into Mexico for a few oh. years. Um, we didn't even get into this week about the Child Separation Act that he did, which is fucked up, dude. Holy shit. Dark, dark, dark. Um, we will talk about it next week. I'm trying to fill in enough information in one episode that it's a it's a long episode, but like so much. I don't want it to be so much information per episode where you're just like, I don't what, what, right? So <laughs> we're just screaming, yeah. So <laughs> basically, what we're ta- the the gist of what we've talked about so far is what's going on at the border, how this makes people be put at risk. So between the 75,000 migrants who are expelled under the MPP Act along with the 3 million asylum seekers during the 2020 COVID crisis because again he did that as more of a stunt being like they could have COVID we Don't can't let those people in here even though he acted like it wasn't real and then didn't really give anybody any messaging about how to protect themselves but he was like no it's again it's the migrants or the migrants are the right. problem and th- is that when we were like washing our groceries because nobody knew what was going on yeah uh, it was like it was before during and after that all of that it was it was done in a way that was to appease an audience that had nothing grounded in science or anything that actually would help anyone so essentially this the scientists at the CDC say that turning those asylum seekers away during that crisis did not prevent the spread of COVID or save any Americans that like those humans were left to the streets of Mexico to die and it didn't save people from COVID. Right. Because like, what if you made up this wary trek with cartel and fucking snakes and then you get COVID at the end of it? But like they Trump's logic was that you can't we can't let them in because they're going to spread COVID. That that there was no evidence to suggest that would have happened, especially because they are usually kept isolated anyway, um, and they probably would have kept isolated. He just threw them back into Mexico mm. to be cruel, essentially. So, in the book City of Omens, which we'll talk about more in the upcoming episodes, author Dan Webb describes his intention of studying. He went basically; he was a PhD student. He went to Tijuana. In order to complete a study for like for his finishing his PhD about the way HIV spreads there based on needle sharing. But when he was doing that, 
the book is about when he was doing that, he stumbled into an epidemic of missing women uh, in the communities and the borderlands of Tijuana and instead started to try to focus on the underlying causes of that. So we'll talk about that more. I'm going to talk about Tijuana, but that's not that's but one of the 48 ports ports to get in. Um are one several of the ports to get in, and it's not the only dangerous border town by far, but it does sit in the middle. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of asylum seekers who go there, and it's mixing that with a town built for debauchery. Really bad things happen, um, and especially if you're throwing women and children from seeking asylum into it. Oh, right. It's like if Vegas was a port town. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, Minus several laws. <laughs> God, I hate Vegas. But anyways, different different topic. I love Vegas. I it's just love trash. It. I love it there. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. I It is my, I always say it's like where I go. That is the dark side of me where I'm just like, use electricity. I'm not even going to recycle while I'm here. Like yeah. I go and I'm just like, indulge. In- <laughs> just smoke a cigarette and throw it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> It's like right in front of a kid and be like, Vegas, what happens in Vegas? Stay in Vegas, you yeah. fucker. Yep. It's, it is, I, I do feel like that when I'm there, but that is as dark as I go, Just I get a back tattoo of a monster energy drink. Yes, that's what you do <laughs> yeah. in Vegas. Yes. Yeah. Um, and mind you, like, again, in these people being thrown back into this, this world, this world debauchery, it is families. So many children. However, I think the majority of them would still prefer to be with their parents instead of ripped apart at the border during those harrowing years that Trump did that. We'll get into that, too, and how dangerous those conditions were. So the kids are in danger when they're thrown to the, the borderlands of Mexico. They're with their parents most of the time. So they have that. When they were split from their parents during that punishments that he put out on asylum seekers being like you come here we're taking your kids we're going to keep them you have to leave the kids face all kinds of other horrors in our government system and so we're going to talk about that too and how some of how many kids those uh, how many of those children are still missing right now i'm sure you could put them in child labor and like what are you going to do about it you know what i mean that's Uh, probably why they keep them that but also it was because it was a pointless policy in order to punish and hurt and they didn't know what to do with any of the kids so they just literally had them set up in like cramped cages with no food Ugh. like they didn't there was nothing there was no no plan it that's full trump's everything was just always like showmanship i don't know you figure it out now just like playing with little kids lives like that i heard that the cages have actually been around a long time oh they are there were not they were not started by like trump. he didn't invent the cages no they he did not just sitting with a diet coke be like, you know what let's get some cages no they they already had all of these things that ice was already fucked up what he did was make it even more horrific and meaner for no reason it was literally for cruelty's sake so again trump didn't create all of these border problems he just uh lavished in them i guess uh so for what it's worth i'm gonna stop there it's a lot of stuff today for what it's worth the international rescue coalition does recommend steps to rectify the process at the border and and ultimately engage in outreach to other countries on the matter so i do appreciate this because i understand how this must just feel like overwhelming and just be like i guess nothing but it's so much of this could be solved if not for government and corporate greed, like so much of it. Um, so they just offer th- solutions. And I've, you know, 
I have not begun reposting on our, uh, our social medias. If you follow our show, you know that there's been a lot of personal and f- professional stuff going on, and I had decided to hold off on returning to social accounts. But I'd really like to put links up for stuff again. So at the very least, I'm going to start putting stuff on stories and take it from there. But this, they offer things that you can do, things that they're attempting to get passed through. So I just want you to know people are – they do care and they do want to change and they're, they do want to have hope and they do think you should have hope. And that there are little things that you can do, of course, like donate and there's things like sharing right. – um, campaigns and writing letters and doing things like that. A TikTok so, dance. Now TikTok is the time dance. for a TikTok yes. dance. You go to the border, you dance, a really sad dance, right. and be like, help, help. And that's how you end. And, and then like, you just leave. And then they applaud. They yeah. love it. I heard that they do clap for you when you go and they're like, thank you so much for your art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let, let's end it there because we're going to go more into how uh, ice it's a scary big problem. So you get, you get, you got the coyotes who are trafficking. You got ICE who is like doing horrible things, including we'll talk about the accusations of the, what some of the, the detention centers were doing as far as like forced sterilization and things like that on women. Um, so get real, get excited. We're, we're Saucy Pert and Gracie. Uh, we know you are out there, too. Sorry for the dra- trauma dump, but we are... I think it's good for us to talk about it, and there are there are upsides. Things are People do care. People are working towards it, and there yeah. are good people out there. Lots of good people. Please remember that. There are, yeah. And, yeah, especially on dating apps. I don't know about that. <laughs> They're all bad. <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio... And producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.